0: Mahomes has the time, delivers,
2: perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope.
0: This one out, touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr., he catch
3: it? he did hello everyone welcome back to road of his overtime on road of his radio brought to you by blue wire my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at Overtime Ireland. as always joined by my co-host here on the podcast it is sean siegel as we get ready to uh, really drive towards you know we're in that kind of gap at the moment we've we've had the draft we've had free agency and now there's a little bit of uh, quiet time obviously we're going to have uh, reports coming out from some of the training camps, OTAs, things like that. But uh, lots of time now to dive into that ADP, dive into how things are going to develop as we get towards the season. Dive into baseball season. Uh, I know Sean, uh, we've been doing some leagues already, but we can. Uh, I think we're going <laughs> to we're going to keep keep that going. Uh, just when we're on baseball, myself and Zachary Kruger uh, recorded five episodes uh, on Monday that are going to come out uh, over the next couple of weeks. We're going to do two shows a week on the baseball format, kind of over the next six or seven weeks. Uh, the first five of those recorded on Monday so look for those to come out this Saturday and Next Monday, and then it'll come out on a Saturday Monday schedule heading on. But lots of good stuff there. Zach is doing an awesome job in terms of best ball content. But Sean, today's show is going to be a real fun one. We did a show on this last year, and you've uh, done an article on it again, redrafting some of those leagues um, over the last kind of seven years and looking at where rookie picks have ended up. If we look back now, take all their NFL kind of career into play, how would we redraft them at this point and how that can? Help us this season, so I'm really looking forward to diving into this one. Should be a, a really fun show.
1: Yeah, it's always a lot of fun to go back and look at what has happened. You know, we do hear from time to time people talking about how you can't grade a draft or really grade the players until you're several years down the line. And then uh, some people do that, and maybe generally we we tend to forget to do that. You hear claims about okay, well, this guy's going to be a bust, this guy's going to be a sleeper, and then you'll have some pushback. About, well, we don't really know until several years in the future. But that does tend to ignore some things that we do know, right? Which is that there are certain profiles that tend to translate extremely well to the NFL. There are certain profiles that work pretty well as sleepers. Yeah, the hit rate's gonna be low, but when they do hit for you, they really pay off. And then there are these profiles that basically never come through. That doesn't mean that somebody couldn't in the future. I mean, we're talking about human beings, we're talking about guys going out there and competing for positions working to get better, you do see some of these rags-to-riches stories. But a lot of times those stories still kind of emphasize players who maybe should have gotten more credit in the first place, right? One of the people that we'll talk about uh, ascending into the first round if we were to redraft one of the old drafts is someone like a Robbie Anderson. You're like, okay, well, this guy kind of came out of nowhere. And then we look through and like, well, not really, right? Because he actually had both production and big-time athleticism coming into the league so the fact that he made it maybe that's not that big a surprise yeah he had to overcome uh where he was drafted which was not at all but he had the background to do that a lot of players don't have that especially players who are drafted in the second half of the third round and then almost everyone on day three so what we kind of try and do is really make sure we hit the stars and then sort of separate out these guys who are going to be disappointments or percentage wise are usually disappointments and then bring in these players who really offer us the chance to get this huge impact with later round picks and a couple of the articles that I've done over the last week one is how do we find the next chase claypool right and there are a couple of other guys who kind of go into that category now DK Metcalf was not drafted nearly as low as claypool but someone who still has outperformed he fits in that category Darren Waller someone who Yeah, he probably didn't pay off for original drafters. He's going to be unowned for a long time in Dynasty before he came through with this tight end transition. But Claypool, Metcalf, Waller, they shared some important characteristics that have allowed them to dominate at the NFL level despite having some red flags coming in. Second article, how do we find the next Tyreek Hill or Terry McLaurin or DJ Chark? Again, there are some specific characteristics that those guys have that most of the players in this draft class do not have but maybe there's a guy we want to make sure we're targeting. So kind of look at that. The foundation for it is this exercise where we go through and we redraft these seven classes. And Colin, this is going to be fun. Yeah,
3: it's going to be fun. And when we start, we're going back to 2014. So let's uh, get in that time machine and and head back over. But everyone will know the 2014 class for the kind of exquisite group of wide receivers I guess that came out and pretty much hit the ground running um you know you have that's the Odell Beckham year Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Alan Robinson, uh, Jarvis Landry's in there just guys that continued uh, to, to have success after that there is guys who had early success and then that dropped off somebody who I was a big fan of was Jordan Matthews he, he's in the list and this will also be interesting to go and look through some of those uh players that maybe it hasn't worked out for you know Bishop Sankey, uh, Matt Freeman, big Bishop Sankey guy (laughs) didn't work out down the line but um, there is some of the guys in here that even a bit like you mentioned with Waller you know Eric Ebron didn't work out really at the start but has had some big seasons so we'll run through it but when we look through it Sean in 2014 it's interesting to look just how some of these guys uh, did fall in terms of later to kind of mid to later first round pick some into the second round we even look at a very interesting uh, grouping in the wide receiver position that went to the jacksonville jaguars and alan robinson and marquise lee lee being drafted 10th in those rookie drafts alan robinson going after him in the nfl draft going 18th and uh, those rookie drafts and then obviously a big change with alan robinson being number four if we were looking at the career kind of arc or career trajectory at this point um, any players that stand out for you based on just how much they risen from you know those rookie rookie picks all the way through now and what they've developed into?
1: Yeah, so the trio there that is kind of interesting uh, that you mentioned, we had Devonte Adams. He was originally the 12th pick. In the redraft, I have him up to number two. I still have him behind Odell Beckham, even though right now you would obviously prefer to have Adams because Beckham was such a massive impact player, really the best rookie season that we've seen for fantasy players uh, ever, right? You contrast that with Adams who had those two disappointing seasons to start, and that's why I have Beckham above him, even though Adams now just coming off of a historic fantasy season. Alan Robinson, you mentioned, originally 18th, now 4th. And then Jarvis Landry, originally 29th, now 6th. It's kind of interesting to go back through old articles that you've written. Sometimes you run across something where you were completely wrong and it embarrasses you. (laughs) Sometimes you run across these things where, yeah, our research has been fantastic for a long time. It's been giving fantasy owners this real opportunity to beat their leagues and so one of these 2014 articles that I ran across was called the Rotoviz Reach, which was sort of a a term that we kind of jokingly threw around at that point, talking about guys who had this production profile that we really emphasized and who were not yet really uh, being adopted or embraced by the fantasy community. One of the things that we've seen and one of the things it, it's kind of interesting. We have a question about this on Thursday uh, from a listener about well you know if your ideas are being used then does the value go away we'll look at that question on thursday it's an interesting question i think there are some different pieces to it in some of the draft areas for rookies it has gone away to an extent because the things that we did back in 2013 2014 2015 are now embraced to the point where you know you're not going to get an Allen robinson with the 18th pick you're not going to get a jarvis landry with the 29th pick people know that those guys have what it takes now you know, we say that maybe you do still get a Tylen Wallace really late. Some of that has to do with just, you know, the Ravens situation there. But interesting guys moving up this class, like you mentioned, extremely loaded. One of the interesting things, I think, when you're doing this kind of redraft is how much attention do you want to pay to where we are currently and how much do you want to give to those first couple of seasons where the original person who drafted the player is going to benefit. And someone who doesn't have nearly as much value as some of these other guys right now, but was a huge impact player for the original drafters, Devontae Freeman. I have him fifth in the redraft. He was originally 11th. We all know that he went on to be the running back one in 2015, which uh, that was just a, a real pot at the end of the rainbow for zero RB owners that year. So a good class, actually not that many of the original top 12 falling out which when you take this, this is the class the farthest away has had the most time for the people to bust and for other guys to kind of work their way in uh, very impressive how good that class was we go to 2015 column and it's a little bit of a different story this class some huge impact players but maybe not as much much depth and some more busts
3: yeah when we look at it you know todd Gurley, and the one thing you mentioned about 2014 is it was such a loaded class in terms of how they hit the ground running and maintain that value and i think that's probably part of again the longevity has worked out in that favor as well but interesting it's interesting to see some of these names like that they're around this long uh, when we look through them some of them feel like they've been around forever some of them feel like they're they're still relatively fresh-faced even somebody like stefan diggs who we've been talking about for years but like you know still seems like there's a, a good few years left in the tank he was the kind of he's and what we're going to see here is the numbers in terms of how late some of these guys were drafted versus how they've ended up now so in that example we have Stefan Diggs who is number two if we were doing the the draft now but 37 at the time of uh, the original kind of rookie drafts Darren Waller who's in there sixth now 43rd at the time David Johnson he's fifth he would have been 18th at the time in his drafts Tyler Lockett uh 22nd at the time off the draft into 7th spot then we have Jamison Crowder who's been kind of one of those uh, I guess we'll say the next version of Jarvis Landry um, 54th when he was drafted into 12th now and then we have some of the guys that went really high and there is a a number of players in this that that never really had uh, that much of an NFL career in terms of the talent was very high but it uh, didn't work out. Kevin White drafted by the Bears was uh, fourth in rookie drafts that year. The other player I guess to mention that didn't really have a huge amount of success but uh, the belief was always there was uh, DGB and Doriel Green Beckham uh, 11th that year as well. So we do see uh, quite a bit of change Sean in 2015.
1: We do and, and one of the things that really jumps out to you is just this kind of contrast between running backs and wide receivers where you know, number two, Diggs, number three, Amari Cooper. Those guys still seem very young. Now, partly it's the, those guys came into the NFL very young, and one of the reasons
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed Data
1: reasons why uh, they've outperformed one of the reasons why they're still very good options but you contrast them to Gurley at one Gordon at four David Johnson at five those guys feel ancient Tevin Coleman at number eight right so we get to a sense of how this class not particularly deep because Tevin Coleman really mostly a disappointment but did have some fantasy performances through the years that would make him relevant uh, he may be fantasy relevant this next year coming up But it's hard to get excited about him, you know, knowing what happened last year, whereas obviously not hard to get excited about Diggs and Cooper and some of those guys. We'll see a little bit more of this running back versus wide receiver contrast as we go forward.
0: Hey, Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com
1: and that is Ezekiel Elliott who was number one originally and he's number one in the redraft
3: yeah and elliot you know somebody obviously when we talk on the show over the last 12 months we haven't really been looking to draft him he's in that area where we had players we preferred over him last year obviously we were looking at guys like dalvin cooker alvin kamara over him in terms of what the consensus would have been looking at when we look at it now he's just in that spot that we're, <laughs> we're we're kind of avoiding running backs in that range we've talked about the dynasty adp and how we were letting him slide on those as well so still though when you look at what he has done in the nfl has been a phenomenal running back a phenomenal Fantasy producer as well, and that time, and second spot, Michael Thomas. He was seventh at the time. The big jumper here, and you mentioned him earlier about how to find the next one of them is Tyreek Hill, sixty first um, at the time of rookie drafts in terms of ADP up to fourth. Well, Fuller eleven up to five. Dak Prescott, somebody who obviously Tony Romo was the quarterback when he was drafted. Things changed quite quickly there. He was thirty sixth at the time, up to seventh, and obviously uh, at a really solid point in his career hopefully comes back fully from that injury and um, so it is a little bit interesting but you touched on them earlier the, the big one here is uh, UD beside uh, Robbie Anderson up to 12th and people sometimes talk about Robbie Anderson as just been that flash player but we've seen it again last year where he can put up those uh, fantasy points he's a valuable asset to have on those rosters not always the flashiest name but can make those plays as well this year was a really really disappointing year for wide receiver talent as well and um when we look at some of the guys that fell out like laquan treadwell was second overall Corey coleman third overall josh doxson fourth overall uh, Sterling Shepard, who has had his had his moments, but he was fifth that year. So we did have a, a lot of uh, wide receiver talent in this particular season that did did let us down.
1: Yeah, this draft had a lot of busts. We had the three running backs, then Dixon, Procyse, and Booker, all of whom also fell out. So a lot of replacements into this draft, making the draft overall fairly decent. Shepard, I think probably the most controversial person omitted, you could probably make a case for him in that 10, 11, 12 range with Kenyon Drake, Carson Wentz, Robbie Anderson. But I think those guys have more value going forward. I also think they had higher highs than Shepard has had. He's definitely had some stretches where when he was healthy, that he was a a viable weekly play. So not nearly as much of a bust as Treadwell, Coleman and Dotson, as you mentioned, who those guys really didn't deliver at all. One of the things that we do see here that's kind of interesting is Hill jumping all the way up to fourth. You could probably make a case for him going even higher than that. Maybe he should be above Derrick Henry, even with as dynamic as Henry has been the last several seasons. Uh, it's interesting there to see just how deep some of these rookie drafts were that we can get an ADP of 61 for Hill and then Anderson still you know, below that and undrafted. But a class there with some stars at the top. You're certainly not going to argue with Elliot and Thomas, who have been two of the very best players in the last decade. Overall, that class not nearly as strong as 2017, which is our very most loaded class. And if you had a chance to draft here, uh, then you came out in great shape. Because we actually have a lot of guys fall out of the first round in 2017. Even some guys who you still would like on your fantasy team, but the players coming from outside the first round in 2017 were absolutely electric. But we do start with someone who was originally the number three pick, now not only the number one in our redraft of 2017, but the number one player in fantasy, and that's Christian McCaffrey.
3: Yeah, it's it's impossible to argue with uh, with that one. Uh, you think of the you know the reports coming out of uh, around draft time. You know, will he be able to transition to the NFL? And and you know the 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 combine. You know the. Pro days, the weight, everything that was going on around it and uh, just how dominant he has been uh, basically outside of his injury last season in the NFL. We do have Kamara in there, we have Dalvin Cook. This was a really strong year. For running backs, but also a strong year for zero RB candidates as well, because we have Aaron Jones jumping from 35 up to the sixth spot. I think the the king of this season, Sean, I think he'll be forever remembered uh, in our hearts here, is Austin Eckler going from UD to, to 12th. Uh, I, I remember picking him up on the waiver wires in that uh, early kind of uh, off season period, and um, one of my favorite waiver wire pickups, just in bulk, Austin Eckler across the board, uh, worked out really well. Really nicely in 2017. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's in there. Another big uh, jumper was George Kittle uh, from 55 to four. Um, So there's a lot of value, as you mentioned, outside that first round. Uh, Leonard Fournette, somebody who's still um, going in the NFL, he comes in at the 10th spot. He was originally that number one uh, in terms of your rookie picks. Corey Davis, number two. Joe Mixon, number four. Mike Williams, number six. O.J. Howard, number seven. Um, and John Ross was in there at number 10. David Njoku, who's just signed with the Jaguars, was at number 12. So we did have a lot of guys that have failed to deliver in the NFL in this round. But when we talked, uh, I think it might have been last week or the week before, Sean, in terms of those late round picks, getting you know those third round picks, getting those late second round picks, having multiple opportunities to to get those guys. Um, I think this year draft is a, a prime example of some of the guys you could hit on there. Um, You know, Chris Godwin as well coming in in that late second round as well at 22nd uh, and 8th place at the minute. So loading up on those picks could have put you in a really strong position moving forward from that 2017 draft class.
1: Yeah, we had a really strong group of guys come in even outside of the second round in this class. And it was brutal trying to determine uh, down the stretch, you know, who should belong, who doesn't get to be in there. This is really the class where there probably are you know, 14 to 16 guys who would legitimately count as first round draft picks uh, in this kind of exercise, if you just wanted to say, okay, everybody who who kind of fits into that same category. I originally had Fournette out. I didn't want any anti-Fournette bias to sort of overwhelm kind of the, the early good seasons he did have. I mean, he's clearly disappointed as the number one overall pick in one of the greatest classes of all time, but he has put up points for people. Some of the guys left out. Chris Carson is the only flex eligible player to score at least 400 points over the last two years and not move into the first round. Uh, he is someone you might consider. Kenny Galladay was the wide receiver nine in 2019, but he gets edged out by Cooper Cup, who's been a little bit more consistent through this time period. And then Joe Mixon, someone who's still going very early in fantasy drafts and has been, you know, okay. He's made some contributions at different points, Uh, he's also out and would be in the first round of any other draft, right? Mixon was the fourth pick originally. So a lot of guys in this group who could be considered as first-round picks are really good class to have had a lot of exposure to. The same thing, not exactly true at 2018, but we do have some fantastic guys at the top. We again have a running back number one overall, Saquon Barkley, number one originally, number one in the redraft, mostly based on that first season, which was so epic. He hasn't done nearly as much for fantasy owners the last two years. In fact, he's probably been a league losing player over the last two seasons. And I think going forward, he probably will also not score as many total points as the guys in second and third. That would be Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore. But with that first season and with the potential to impact the next couple of years in an outsized way... I left him there at number one
3: yeah and the interesting trend and this will continue as we go throughout as well you know when we look at the draft picks that we can get here and we look at the 101 the 101 has held its value uh, much better than say that second that third pick and obviously it's a valuable pick but um you know the consensus 101 in these years uh, is pretty much making the list and the top five picks in all of them uh, Leonard Fournette is uh, at number 10 so he's the the lowest so far as we've gone through this Barkley definitely I think fits into that mold it's interesting just it is that one super season and um, then we have had those years so like you know I think if we do this exercise maybe in another 12 months maybe 24 months we could potentially see Calvin Ridley start to put a little bit of pressure on that and um, but when we look through it we do have a lot of talent um, who are coming in on the list the likes of Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Nick Chubb, Cortland Sutton, Uh, you know we're seeing players who have that upside but outside of ridley the rest of them are kind of the upside is there we're hoping that they had it but it hasn't been had on a consistent basis so it does make sense to have barkley based on that uh, one outstanding season in there we look at some of the jumpers calvin redley jumping up to the second spot from spot 10 Uh, dj moore jumping from the eighth to spot three and i think that's pretty fair to have them ranked in that particular order. Philip Lindsay was somebody that Sean championed um, coming in as a 0 RB target. He was 78th in terms of the draft, comes in at number 11 at this point. Um, And then Mark Andrews, uh, in terms of the tight end position, 38th at the draft point, up to 5th. And you mentioned Sean as well when we did the uh, latest dynasty piece about you know drafting and getting those late round picks, the likes of George Kittle, the likes of Mark Andrews, getting those extra picks as well and having those. So, we've seen in 2017 George Kittle was 55th and he's up to fourth in terms of these years down the line, and then Andrews at 38th. He jumps up to fifth so we're seeing uh, the value of those late round picks and like we said the more of them you have the more opportunities you're giving yourself some of the players who didn't uh, produce based on that draft and a lot of these um, you know it was a bad year for those rookie running backs when we look back uh, Darius Geis, uh, Penny, uh, Sonny Michelle, Ronald Jones unfortunately for us Rojo has had a few games here and there but it hasn't been working out Royce Freeman who Philip Lindsay cannot instantly uh, over true in terms of the draft capital carry on johnson and then christian kirk uh, at the wide receiver position so a little bit of a a disappointing first round here but plenty of uh, players step forward then uh, from outside of that first round
1: yeah we tend to think of the running back apocalypse as being that 2015 season sort of across the board but really uh, this running back collapse probably should refer to the 2018 rookie draft where uh, we had all of these guys come in with a lot of fanfare there were guys that you and i liked, like rojo for example it's not like we were completely out on these running backs by any stretch but there was a lot of talk about if you know maybe there are eight running backs better than any wide receiver in this group obviously if you were targeting ridley and more cortland sutton guys who were going at that one two turn area those are the people to be drafting and again it's a another opportunity another example of a situation where if you're trading down in your rookie draft you're landing some of these wide receivers you're going to be much better off now could you own some of these running backs originally and then flip them before the value went to zero yes and you kind of want to take some shots in there if you have your roster built in such a way that you have that opportunity. You don't want to be completely out on these guys, but you have to be very careful at how you do it. Because one of the things that we've seen, are not only are these guys out of the redraft, but really at no point have they created any value for fantasy owners. I was trying to go back and look at Sonny Michel to see how well I was remembering exactly what he did. Fantasy-wise, we know he had that good stretch in the NFL playoffs in the season, helped lead the Patriots to that Super Bowl. But as a fantasy player, he has done – almost nothing. So, this group between off-field issues, injuries, uh maybe some odd coaching choices, they haven't been worth anything at all. And so, if you got Barkley, if you had the 101, that was the key place to be. Otherwise, Nick Chubb outside of that, it's been a disaster. Moving on here to 2019, and we see the running back difficulties continue uh to an extent, right? Coming off of three straight drafts where we had Elliott, McCaffrey, and Barkley as the top pick even in the redraft, we now move to a class where the top five players don't include a single running back but a road of his favorite does move up to the top pick and that's aj brown
3: yeah aj brown uh you know goes from spot seven up to number one there was obviously concerns around landing spot and things like that at the time um but he has obviously produced everyone who listens to the show everyone who watches the nfl even if you if you're a first time listener uh, know about aj brown how dominant he is and how spectacular for his kind of his size he can be in terms of yards after the catch somebody who uh, is in a similar uh, kind of build, I guess we'll say, as DK Metcalf. He's coming in at spot two, uh, and that gives him uh, a, a three spot jump from spot five from his original spot. But the player making the biggest jump this year, somebody who I kind of went all in on as a rookie, I was incredibly impressed with um, how he did then in his rookie season, that was Terry McLaurin. Has had a, you know, had good seasons since, but just hasn't really been able to jump forward to where I still think he can get to. Um, and that there was him coming in at 29th in those rookie drafts. So we're looking at, you know, into that third round, mid to late third round. Uh, and then he's up to spot three. Hawkinson, high draft capital, uh, sixth in terms of where he was originally, to four. Another player who's quite interesting, and that's Deontay Johnson, 24th, up to eight. Um, but we did, see you know it's a little bit more of a it wasn't as deep a class i guess we'll say in, in this particular instance Um, some of the players who who have missed out Kenan, having consistent success in the nfl would be in keel harry for the patriots he was the second pick that year Darrell henderson the 10th pick paris campbell the ninth pick so just not as deep of a class overall when we look through it josh jacobs was the number one back in 2019 um, doesn't seem like that long ago, but uh, he's down to spot six. So, again, still has had value, but we're starting to get into that area now where the uh, the cliff and that value dropping off in terms of an actual dynasty value is going gonna, is gonna to be significant as well.
1: Now, this class we've only had a chance to see for two seasons, so we may still get some movement. But at this point, we have a sense of how much value those players have been able to give right away to their first uh, dynasty drafter. And the class looks looks pretty solid, right? With Fant in 10th, Debo in 11th, Marquise Brown in 12th. We'll see how those guys hold on. Fant, someone, we're very excited about what he might do if the Broncos ever address the quarterback situation in any meaningful way. Now, the running backs have been solid, but not true impact players. Definitely not league winning players. We'll have to see what they can do going forward. We know if you don't get that value that big push originally, that it can be difficult. We have Josh Jacobs down from one to six. We have David Montgomery down from three to nine. And we have Miles Sanders down from four to seven. Montgomery, an interesting player because he finished out so hot last year. He was one of our recommendations for someone to buy heading into that stretch because the buy low machine on the site – Our strength of schedule tool said, look, he's going from a fairly difficult schedule to an almost impossibly easy schedule. We knew he had all that volume, but the Bears really didn't have anywhere else they could go with it. It's not like he's going to get benched when he's the only guy that they have, even if he's mostly going for two yards per carry and just uh, struggling around the line of scrimmage there. Maybe if things get a little bit easier, he'll explode. That is what happened Then we say that the very first thing you want to do after that's happened, once he gets his value back, once he's rehabbed, is you want to sell, right? Don't get caught holding that stock. And the Bears now have put their offense together a little bit better for the season. You know, some of his backups are going to be stronger. We'll see how that develops. Montgomery, not someone you've got to be totally out on. If you have a decent price, you don't want to sell low. But we'll be tracking him, uh, his career. You know, this could be the, the start of something great for him or a situation where you definitely needed to get out like we're recommending. So it'll be interesting to track what he does from this point forward and the Bears' offense in general. If Justin Fields can get in there somewhat early, really change uh, their entire approach, we could see all of those guys get a lot more valuable. And uh, I think the unfortunate thing is the Bears actually don't have a lot of players from a fantasy perspective that I think you're going to see rising volume on. Montgomery, because he's a running back who just doesn't have that much talent right now he, he can be a three down player so that always matters and then you have Allen robinson who's probably nearing the end of the road for him played very very well the last couple of seasons so you know that he could be one of those guys who holds on a little bit better if they had some young guys uh at tight end at wide receiver colt Komet, maybe somebody who a little bit under the radar there someone to try and get in every draft but the bears with fields we're excited to see what they do All right, Colin. we know what happened with 2020. We probably don't need to spend as much time on that. But Jonathan Taylor went down to number two after the Chiefs draft, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I have him at number one, Edwards-Alaire at number 10 in the redraft. All of these guys still, though, fairly valuable, a pretty exciting rookie class. And while we know that these running backs are kind of in that time period where if you look at 2018, you look at that class where all of those guys busted, right now we would have still been excited about them so on the one hand this is the time for you to sell acres sell swift sell dobbins sell gibson make this big profit on them and remove the risk at the same time if one of those guys moves on becomes the next uh, dalvin cook then you, you'll feel very silly so that's the great thing about fantasy football these guys could go in two different directions and right now their prices reflect that very fair prices i think an exciting class
3: yeah i think uh, there's a lot of excitement still and um, both even at the running backs uh, position and the wide receivers that are involved as well i think the listeners need to put it in their diary uh, around this time next year we'll do the recap of the 2021 season we'll have more data then sean uh, and the 2020 season can be thrown in with that as well uh, i'll do that again i think the listeners should put it in their diary for this time next year we will drop back in on the 2020 class i think it's a bit a bit early yet there's still though for me a lot of excitement around pretty much all of the players on the list here uh, when we look then sean at the big picture and some of the outcomes what are the key takeaways from the the research you've done here in terms of how we should implement this in 2021 and then even moving forward as part of our uh, rookie evaluation for these prospects
1: so we have some slightly different results than last season we added two different class at the end the 2014 class joins the exercise the 2020 class joins the exercise we did have a little bit of movement players who maybe were on that 11 12 range dropped out some other guys who made an impact in the 2020 season move in but we see a 47 of the 84 original first round picks remain in the first round Now that does drop to just 28 out of 60 when we're looking at the 2014 2018 classes classes who have three years in the nfl when we talk about The top six versus the bottom six, another thing that we really emphasized how there's often not as much of a difference there as you might think, a ton of big impact wide receivers in that second half of the draft. One of the things I wanted to see here is how many of the players falling out were these say top five picks, the big impact players, the players where people are paying up to get them. Of the 37 first rounders to drop out, 13 of them were top five picks. That includes six running backs and seven wide receivers. So, fairly well spread there. We do have that uh, Treadwell Coleman class at wide receiver where almost all the receivers who dropped out were from that group. Now, 21 of the 37 replacements, so guys who moved from outside the first round into the first round, those guys came from round two in your rookie draft. So, again, this idea that we want to load up on these second-round picks. This is a 1QB format. That's obviously especially true in super flex formats. But even once you look at those second rounders, we still have 16 deep selections who went on to make an impact. And you think, okay, well, 16, that doesn't seem like a ton spread across seven years. But when you go back through and you look at these guys and remember, okay, well, almost everybody who is a force in fantasy football factors into this draft somewhere, right? We had a a year there where there were three or four guys who probably should have counted But at the same time, most of the classes had a spot or two at the end of the round. We were like, I don't know if I'd really consider that a first-round pick. So, again, that's a pretty good number when we're looking at players who are impacting the fantasy environment. Now, position by position, we have some interesting results. Running backs are minus seven in this redraft. You have 16 of them dropping out, nine jumping in. You can look at this from a couple of directions, right? You can say, well, minus seven is bad. People are losing value on these running backs. At the same time, one of the things that we're seeing is there aren't a ton of running backs who are jumping in and staying. And I think that you can look at that also in a a variety of ways. One of the things that people will do sometimes when they're looking at, okay, zero running back, does it work? And they look at full season numbers for players. They're thinking, okay, well, I don't see these full season guys who are coming from outside the top range and making an impact. And lose track of the fact that there are a lot of individual players who aren't going to necessarily show up. Players like a a Hines or a J.D. McKissick. Players who, at the important times of the season, made a big impact. For Dynasty, you also see that with running backs just on a a year-by-year perspective. Where, sadly, players who come in and show that they're, if not stars, at least very legitimate starters... Their team still won't give them any respect. Now, Philip Lindsay was in the redraft, but he probably will be pushed out by this time next year. It, it was difficult deciding between Lindsay, Gallup, and Hines for that last spot. Went with, or for the two of the last three spots there, I went with Lindsay and Gallup. But Hines will probably push Lindsay out based on kind of where those players are going forward. You look at someone like James Robinson, who was actually outside of Justin Jefferson, was the biggest rookie fantasy player from 2020 he doesn't make the redraft simply because the jaguars have already attempted to replace him with another running back and that creates a situation where even with his early impact there for the first two three four seasons he's almost certainly not going to get to the value of the guys who are still in the first round and so we lose some of those types of players Moving on to wide receiver, we see them even, 18 falling out, 18 jumping in. Tight ends were plus three, quarterbacks were plus four. That doesn't mean that to target tight ends or quarterbacks in the first round, but it does mean that when you're trying to stockpile these second and third round picks, don't be afraid to use them at those positions, right? You're often getting a tight end or a quarterback who was a reality first round pick at QB or a reality you know, 20 to 45 pick at tight end you get those guys in the same range where wide receivers and running backs who are drafted on day three are going. And just simply in terms of what the hit rates are likely to be, we know the tight ends and quarterbacks are more likely to stay in the NFL. That could have value to you, especially at the tight end position. But then sometimes you get a George Kittle, sometimes you get a Darren Waller, sometimes you get a Mark Andrews and it pays off in a huge way. since those are the guys who are actually tilting the field at the tight end position. The final thing, and this kind of goes to the articles on how to find the next Claypool, how to find the next McLaurin. We want to look at the characteristics of the players who were not originally drafted in the first round, but moved into the first round. And starting with the running back position, seven of the replacement running backs were elite producers and six were special athletes. Four were both and zero were neither, right? So when we're looking at this, We're looking at guys who have standout traits. You were a star in college or you have this freakish athleticism that puts strain on even NFL defenses to control. We don't see guys who are kind of mediocre players at both. So someone who has solid athleticism and had some production in college, people are hoping, okay, well, maybe they break out at the next level. We haven't really seen an instance of that. We go to the wide receiver position and it's even more the case right 14 of the replacement wide receivers were elite producers nine were special athletes six were both and again zero were neither so tylen wallace that name that jumps out again you're looking at elite producers and where they end up going several years later you know this is your chance to get in there and get that guy now someone who stayed four years in college has some knee issues is playing for the baltimore ravens and was drafted after bateman who also seems like someone who could be a little bit undervalued playing in this offense where you have a scattershot quarterback and you have very low pass volume. Will that really work out? You know, that's a difficult question to answer. And it's certainly not like every elite producer as a prospect at the wide receiver position does jump up, but we see so many examples of it that when the cost is minimal, you want to make sure you're stockpiling those guys. If Wallace doesn't hit, maybe the guy, Next season will, and then all of a sudden you've really changed your dynasty team without having to have spent a really high pick. Of course, Claypool and McLaurin, other guys who fit in there into a different category, check out the site to see how to pick those guys and who the interesting players are for 2021. Uh, this is a class where if you're in a deep draft and you have 30 roster spots, you maybe have a six or seven-round draft to where you have veterans, you know, like a Dalton Schultz who shows up as someone who maybe uh, people couldn't keep on their roster, but is a pretty interesting guy to add on there. You've got some Miami running backs you might want to add on there. So if you're in one of these deep drafts with both rookies and veterans, the 5-6-7 range is more interesting than people may think. I encourage you to take those rounds seriously, and we've got some great content on the site to help find those players uh, you mentioned Zachary with the Best Ball article or the Best Ball shows, he's got some articles on helping you find and familiarize yourself with some of these deep uh, sleeper players as well. So we're excited about some of that content. We're excited about these drafts that are going on. Colin, we're also excited about the new startup drafts, which we're going to be talking about on Thursday, and you can select rookies in most of those as well.
3: Yeah, looking forward to that one on Thursday. And you already teased some of the listener questions that we'll be using as well. So, should be another fun one. Uh, Before we finish up today, as always, I want to let you know about the discount you can get to a RotoViz NFL pass. All you have to do is enter the code RVRadio2021 at checkout to save yourself 10% as a loyal podcast listener. You can also find out more information on that at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast that'll get you access to all the content like Sean uh, and me that'll get you access to the content that we've talked about today in terms of Sean's piece it'll also get you access to the pieces like you mentioned with Zach it'll give you access to all of the tools up on the site so head on over once again that code is RV radio 2021 Thank you once again for listening in to RotoViz Overtime on RotoViz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. If you haven't already, head on over, drop us a five-star review in your favourite podcast app. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. You can check out pieces like we talked about today from Sean and much more of his great content up on RotoViz.com. Until we're back on Thursday with another podcast, of course, have a good one.